HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Austin East Ciders. For more information, visit their website at austineastciders.com. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And I'm Mary Izette. From The Man About It. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, your host, Erica Wides. I'm looking out the window of the studio here at the cutest little kid. I'm totally distracted. She looks like she's about one. She's eating that, you know, squeezy fruit crap from a pouch, but I'm not judging. She's just eating, eating, eating. She looks so happy. She even did like a little Hillary Clinton debate shimmy there after she ate something. Let's just spend the whole half hour with me giving running commentary on how cute this kid is. Okay, forget the whole show today. I'll get a little webcam. We'll just watch the kid. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> back to more serious news. Back to the usual depressing let's get real topics. Four weeks from today. Only four weeks. Four weeks from today. Even though this is a podcast and who knows when you're going to listen to it. Four weeks from today, 28 days, one month, one lunar spin, one normal menstrual cycle, one rent check away in just one month. You know what's going to happen. It's D-Day. I know. Thank you. (laughs) Or we could be celebrating, you know. Woo. Thank you. We either elect the first woman to hold the highest office in the U.S., a woman with admittedly problems, deep flaws, like all of us, but utterly qualified to hold that office, maybe more qualified than any other candidate of the last 40 years, or, or, well, we all know, we all know. Unless you've locked yourself in the basement for the last six months without any Wi-Fi, you know. We all know. There's nothing to even say about it. Nothing. There's nothing left to say. I have read 
every editorial, every Facebook post, every Huffington Post screaming front page rant. I'm done. I'm done with the election and I am done even discussing it or him. He who shall not be named. I had been referring to him as the apricot barbarian, which was not original. I got that from something I read online, apricot barbarian. But you know what? I love apricots. They're delicious and they're beautifully colored. And when they're good and ripe, they smell like how I would have imagined Eden had smelled. Of course, if Eden had been like a real place and not just a setting for a fairy tale, which an entire political party has based its entire set of beliefs on. But apricots are an incredible fruit, and they don't deserve the association with that walking pile of shit. No, they don't. So you know what? And actually, you know what? Forget it. That's an insult to shit, too. Like, to even compare them to that, that's... You can't insult shit. You know, it's just part of being human. So how about we call him instead um, Fake and Bake Hitler? How about that? I have no problem insulting fake tanning, because fake tanning to me is an abhorrent practice practiced by the dust on the bottom of the basket of deplorables fake tanning and nothing is worse than fake tanning and nothing's worse than hitler so that's actually the perfect moniker that works and that's moniker not monica as if you grew up on long island moniker okay moniker so that works fake and bake hitler it's perfect from here on in fbh okay you know who we're talking about fbh But you know what? This isn't an episode about that. This is not a show about the election because what's left to say about this election? A month from now, it'll just be more history to be rewritten by the vast right-wing evangelical conspiracy that runs the school boards across America. So let's just leave it to them, okay? Let's let's all wonder how they're going to spin this one to fit their right-wing agenda. It's going to be complicated, right? How do you spin this agenda to fit your right-wing, this election? I, I... Who knows? Nope. Today's not about the election. Okay. Today's also not about the national nervous breakdown that we all seem to be experiencing, including me in a very profound way. After watching a copper-stained, raccoon-eyed goon with aggressively primate-like body language lumber and stalk around a stage while a perfectly calm, focused, and rational woman tries to speak. Nope. It's not about that. And although this whole mess is actually infiltrating my dreams, too, which I'm actually very resentful about that. So, FBH, please stay the fuck out of my nighttime brain, too. Okay. But again, no, not the subject of today's show. The only reason I bring it up is because of the Tang tinted skin. Remember Tang? I just can't look at it anymore. And orange was my favorite color. I've loved orange for years. Orange has been my favorite color since I can't even remember how long. When my niece, Soph, you know, Soph, I've talked about Soph here for years. When she was a baby, I got us both these tangerine colored zip up hoodie sweatshirts from Old Navy. They had them in little little baby sizes and adult sizes and they matched. And hers was a little teeny tiny baby size one. And mine was, well, normal person size, but they matched and she loved hers and I loved mine and we'd wear them together and she called it once she started talking, the Eka sweatshirt because she called me Eka back then and later she shortened my name to just Ek, which is now what my whole family calls me too, okay? And you guys can call me Ek too if you want, it's okay. The hoodies are long gone. I mean, Soph's now would probably only fit 
Teddy, her dog. And mine got all stained and worn out from wearing it too many summers partying on Fire Island. But we won't talk about that. But when Soph got a little bit older and she entered her princess phase, which all little girls do, except me, I, I didn't. But we would have these pretend arguments about what color was better, pink or orange. We would kind of pretend fight. Who? What's better, pink or orange? And I actually love pink, too. I mean, I like all colors, except yellow. Actually, I really don't like yellow, but that's a different story. But you know what? It was fun to argue that point with a nominally rational four-year-old because, you know, who doesn't want to have an argument with a four-year-old? But usually I would just let her win because really who cares? But Soph's almost 17 now. And if she were a year older, she could vote in this election. Unfortunately, she can't. And now she wears her own clothes that she picks out. Her generation's idea of retro, which is 90s era clothing and high-waisted jeans. It's like they're all walking around on the set of the first season of Friends, which I find hard to stomach. And I can't remember the last time she wore pink. But that's okay, because unlike FBH... FBH, we know who that is. Soph's maturing and becoming an adult. And whatever she wants to do or wear is okay by me, as long as it's not acid wash jeans or overalls. Okay? But that's not what today's show is about either. Today's show isn't about what Soph's wearing or FBH or the election or Soph's generation's questionable style. Today's episode is about color. All color. Every color. Any color, as long as it's real color. Real color that occurs naturally in nature and specifically in food. Food color. Not food color. Color in food. Because the more color a food has that occurs naturally, generally speaking, the better it is for you. Right? We all that. We know that eat the rainbow doesn't really apply to Skittles. Okay? Especially not a certain orange colored Skittle. Eat the rainbow actually means eat food with lots of color in it. Come on, they've been telling us that since kindergarten. We know that. Except that there are some exceptions to that. Like, for example, there's some incredibly colorful and beautiful mushrooms out there on the planet that if you happen to ingest, they will make your liver liquefy and cause you a long, agonizing and painful death. And, of course, there are like some brilliantly hued jellyfish that, you know, look incredible, but even the Chinese wouldn't eat them. And you know that those guys will eat just about anything that's not human. I mean, come on. Now, not all color in food is good, but it's a good general rule that the more colorful, the better. I mean, a red bell pepper, better tasting and more nutritious than those nasty green ones. I don't understand why people eat green peppers. I think they're horrible. Red signals ripens, ripeness to us. It goes way, way back. It's primal. Red Ripe. It indicates the presence of sugars, sweetness, more vitamins. Yellows, oranges, pinks, purples are all good and all signifiers of sweetness and readiness and ripeness and fruity deliciousness. Green, too. Leafy, vibrant greens. We want those. We need to eat those. We need lots of those. But what about blue? Now, I know, I know there's no blue food. I know. Don't even bring up George Carlin. I know. Every time I say there's no blue food, people go, oh, George Carlin did a whole bit about that. I know. You know, George Carlin's been dead for like how long now? 10, 15 years. It was funny, but he was right. Okay. There's no blue. There's no true blue food. We know this. Blueberries, not really blue. Much more red in them, actually. They're really purple. Blackberries, kind of bluish, but, you know, really purple. Speaking of mushrooms, actually, though, there are blue-footed mushrooms. They're edible, blue-footed mushrooms. 
But technically, it's really more of like a lavendery blue. There's no like vibrant blue in the food world. There is something that occurs with garlic. Certain varieties of garlic, when they come in contact with acid, when they're raw, they turn kind of turquoisey, which is fascinating. But that's just a chemical reaction. And in the mushroom family, there are some bolites, the bolitus family, in which the porcini, the bolitus edulis, is the king of mushrooms, that, com- that family. But in that bolite family, there's actually the bolites that, if you touch them, they stain blue. And it is like the purest, truest, like most ultramarinist blue out there, which is a pretty good indicator that you shouldn't eat them because, yeah, blue staining mushrooms, not edible but it's actually pretty cool to do if you ever see a bolete if you know what i'm talking about google it just poke it with your finger and see if it turns blue it's very cool but don't eat it and go wash your hands the staining obviously says don't eat me i'm blue i'm not food now in in vietnam years ago back when i was in nam i was snorkeling and somebody pointed out to me a squid this really beautiful squid that was blue and white striped. And the locals called it the pajama squid because it looked like blue and white striped pajamas. And it was amazing looking. But you know who pointed it out to me? A kid whose mother had died because she accidentally ate one. I know, it's not a good story. It's terrible, but it's a good lesson. Don't eat the blue striped squid. Okay? It's not good. So there's no blue food in nature. We've established that, right? Everybody knows no blue food in nature just doesn't really happen. It has to do with pigments and refraction and things that we see that are blue are not actually truly pigmented blue. It's more about how our eyes see it, and it's all complicated. It only really exists in labs, the blue. We know this. Now, I've done multiple episodes here on the show about color. We've talked about color down here in the fallout shelter until our faces turn Well, blue. Okay. Color's not a new topic for us here at Let's Get Real. So so why now? Why again? Why are we revisiting color? Well, for one, we have a Fanta-faced goon seeking our highest office. Fanta-faced goon. The orange original Fanta. I know there's a lot of varieties. And we're fighting it out between our red states and our blue states and our purple states. So there's actually been a lot of stuff about color lately, not to mention race. And of course it's fall. And so of course I went hiking last weekend because you know, that's what I do. And the trees up in the lower Hudson Valley, they're like just starting to change to the glorious fall display. It's like just beginning to happen. And then I went to the farmer's market yesterday at Union Square and it was like this riotous explosion of orange. Like I felt almost like I was tripping looking (laughs) at those tables of squashes in the bright sunlight. It was almost too much for my eyes to process, but it was good orange, not scary monster FBH orange, faking big Hitler orange. Okay. And then that same weekend I picked what were probably the last tomatoes of the year because I think we had frost last night. So that's it for the tomatoes. But you know, it's just been this kind of color soaked, color saturated couple of days and really weeks for all of us here in the U.S. And not just the red and blue pantsuits or dehydrated pea-colored faces either. I spent the morning trying to think of these names for him, like these color-related metaphors. Dehydration pea. You know how, like, if you're really dehydrated, your pea turns, like, pumpkin-colored? It's a good one, right? But no blue. Nature doesn't want us to eat the blue. Okay? You can look at the sky... 
You can swim in the sea. You can admire a peacock. You can touch a bowl eat mushroom and watch it turn blue. Just don't eat it. There's no blue. Let's take a little break. When we come back, we'll get really into it. We'll be right back. Are you an East Sider? We live on the east side of town. Our shipping container studios are at Roberta's in Bushwick, across the East River, separating New York City and Brooklyn. In all my recent travels, it seems like the east side of town is the cool side of town in cities across the country. East Nashville is full of musicians and weird bars. The up-and-coming neighborhood around H Street in D.C. on the east side is overflowing with exciting food and nightlife. The best hidden spots and funky artists in New Orleans are in the Maronian Bywater, which, yup, is the east side of town. So, as east siders, we love drinks that represent our values. And nothing is more fitting than a cool, refreshing can of Austin east ciders. That's east cider with a C. As the name implies, it is cider, and it's handmade on, you guessed it, the east side of Austin, Texas, using bittersweet and bittersharp cider apples. Cider apples are full of tannins, adding astringency and complexity of flavor to every sip. Austin East Ciders uses a mixture of European and Pacific Northwest apples to achieve ultimate flavor. Austin East Ciders is available in a few different variations, including original flavor, Texas honey, and two new additions, hopped and pineapple. Here at Heritage Radio, we love Austin East Ciders with some ribs, pulled pork, and even pizza especially Roberta's Pizza. You can find out more at austineastsiders.com and remember to hashtag Eastsiders to show your Eastside pride. You can also find Austin Eastsiders on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Welcome back to Let's Get Real. That was one long ad. Wow. I have to disagree with Jack on that one. Like, think of Manhattan. Would you, if you had to live uptown, would you live on the Upper East Side or the Upper West Side? I'm just saying. Okay, I don't love either one, but seriously, if I had to pick. Dave, wouldn't you pick Upper West over Upper East any day? Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, come on, Jack. Anyway. We love you, Jack. We miss you. Good job on the very long ad for East Side Ciders. Okay. So welcome back to Let's Get Real, a joke about finding, preparing, and eating food. Um, the little baby, by the way, she's finished eating. She's just kind of hanging out. She looks pretty happy. Just, you know, baby update. Okay. So here I am in the fallout shelter thinking about color. And I was thinking about color, you know, all weekend. It's the theme of the show today. And there, in the New York Times magazine, the paper of record this weekend was the food issue, the yearly New York Times Magazine food issue with a couple of good articles and a very cool photo and video kind of essay about the in, the scale of our industrialized food systems, which you should look at. It's amazing pictures. But anyway, there was an article about how the big industrial food companies, you know, Food Inc., 
think, you know, Kraft, M&M Mars, Mondelez, Nabisco, all those companies, they are scrambling to find new ways to color their garbagey non-food products with natural colors because all of a sudden American consumers are freaking out. Not because a sun-kissed soda-stained face demagogue could be our next president, but because all of the shit food that Americans have been cramming into their gaping maws for all these years are artificially colored. Okay, it's not the shit food itself. It's the fact that shit food is artificially colored. They're freaking out. And now the moms of America are calling on the major food corporations to stop the madness and get the blue dye out of our kids' M&Ms and our squeezy tube yogurt. They're demanding that the big food companies ditch the artificial colors and replace it with natural colors. People have protested and organized and rallied around this. Now, great. These are great things to protest and organize and rally about around. But isn't it sort of missing the point to get all bent out of shape and angry about artificial colors in garbagey fake food? Shouldn't you just not eat the food? Right. I mean, nobody's demanding and organizing and protesting. Well, they are actually, but that we label GMOs. They are. Or stop dumping raw sewage on our crops as fertilizer, which, um, hello, happens. Or stop using what accounts to slave labor to harvest our seafood around the world or our vegetables here. Or demanding that we clean up the trillions of tons of plastic in the ocean. No, just give us our blue food, but make it less chemical so we can feel better about eating shit. We want to keep eating the shit. We just don't want the blue color to come from coal tar sludge anymore. We want it to come from natural sources like ground up peacock feathers or something. Okay, this is what it's come to. So wait a second, moms of America. Just hold the phone here a minute. Now you're upset about something. Now everybody's suddenly jumping on this wagon and saying, take out the blue, take out the artificial coloring. You still haven't figured out that what you're actually feeding to your children is just like a chemical sugar concoction of crap. Not real food, but you're really upset at the big issue of the color of the non-food. Yeah, the artificial color is terrible. And yes, it is made from coal tar sludge. Artificial food colorings are made from petrochemicals. That's how they were invented. They were discovered in labs by people working on petrochemistry. Okay, petro. Coal tar sludge is where the first artificial color came from. It was mauve the ugliest color ever, mauve coltar. Okay? But like FBH himself, fake and bake Hitler, the artificial color is merely the petrochemical stained surface of a much, much deeper, larger problem. A tremendous problem. A huge problem. The problem of the fact that we care so much about what's in our shitty processed junk food and we don't really give a crap about what's being done to our Real food. More people voted for the new M&M's color years ago than for president in that election cycle. Think about it. That's how we got blue M&M's in the first place. People chose them. There was a campaign to pick the new M&M's color. The choices were pink, purple, or blue. And the most people chose blue. And more people voted in that election than they ever have for president. People chose blue because they said it was the most fun color. 
Pink was too femme. Purple was too gay. Blue was the most fun color. And now that Mars is trying to replace that synthetic blue made from coal tar sludge with natural blue colors, the biggest complaint from the consumer testers so far is that the blue M&Ms don't taste as fun. They don't taste as fun. What the fuck does that mean? Doesn't taste as fun. All M&Ms taste exactly the same. You eat them with a blindfold on, you don't know what you're eating. But the testers said the new blue, the non-synthetic blue, the natural blue, kind of grayish, doesn't taste as fun. Are we all a bunch of toddlers arguing about which color is better, pink or orange? I mean, come on, Soph grew out of that. We all can too. Can't we? The big food companies are really hustling to get the new color lineup set for all their processed crap. This is like a, an arms race, people. This is like a serious race to the finish because whoever discovers and perfects the new non-synthetic blue wins. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. There are plants set up now to process spirulina algae to create the blue pigment that will now become the norm in processed food. General Mills has overhauled its seven of its kids' cereals. They've overhauled them to take out a lot of the bad shit in them, including the artificial colors. It's still a box of shit. It's still a box of processed white flour and sugar and processed rice and corn and oats and synthetic vitamins. You're still eating the same non-food useless product. You're just not getting a dose of artificial color in there. Right now, the one that they sort of made the big stink about that they overhauled was tricks, tricks, fruity tricks. Tricks used to be this bowl of like super saturated, bright, cartoony colored, little puffy, crunchy balls, red and yellow and orange and blue and green balls. It looked more like um, like a candy product than a cereal. Oh, well, that's because it is right. Thirty five grams of sugar per serving. Mm, I'd call that candy. The new tricks, if you look at them side by side, actually look more like um, like something you'd buy at Whole Foods, if Whole Foods sold that sort of thing. Slightly more muted colors, less saturated, and only the warm colors, the reds, the oranges, pinks, and yellows. They couldn't get the blue and the green right, so they just left them out. Did people complain? I'm sure, vociferously and bitterly, but um, too bad. Does it taste less fun? I don't know, but who gives a shit? Nobody should be eating tricks anyway. And if any parent is letting their kid eat that crap, then they all deserve the lifetime of poor health and obesity and diabetes that the entire family probably already has. Just don't expect me to pay for your medical bills, okay? And the processed crap food industry is spending literally hundreds of millions of dollars on this research to find the elusive natural blue dye. It's the white whale. It's the holy grail. They've got the reds and the yellows and the oranges. They're using turmeric and cochineal and annatto. You know, cochineal is ground up beetle shells, right? So the vegans are all pissed off about that. They've got all the reds and the yellows and oranges. They can handle that. But that pesky blue and that squirrely green, uh, just not so easy. They're able to do it, but they have aftertastes. The spirulina algae actually leaves a little bit of a funky aftertaste in your mouth. The green pigments, mm, do you want your green M&M to taste slightly vegetal and spinachy? I'm Actually, yes, I would. I might eat M&Ms if they tasted a little bit like spinach, but, you know, that's just me. 
not so easy to get that pesky blue and that squirrely green. And instead of just saying, you know what, instead of all of us just saying, you know what, you know what, it's been a long time. We see now what this stuff does to us. You know what, let's all just agree to not make all this crap anymore or not eat it anymore because it's not really food. And if people can't have it anymore, then maybe they'll just actually eat more real food again. They could do that. We could all do that. We could just say, you know what? Okay, let's just stop. You could pump all of that research money instead into something else instead of researching new ways to color junk blue. This is some really sick irony here. I mean, this is like, I can't, there's, uh, I lost it. There's like a Greek myth kind of thing. I don't even know what it is here. People are so attached to these food products, so emotionally invested and attached to these so-called food products that if anything changes, the companies actually face huge public uproar. Like people get more upset about this than they do about like the state of our planet. Okay, so here's a verbatim quote from the New York Times article, just to give you a sense of the depth of the research going into this, just so that our obese and fanalized Americans can keep eating their blue M&Ms, okay? This is from the Times. In 2013, the Food and Drug Administration approved Mars's petition, petition to use the microscopic algae spirulina to make the first natural blue dye approved for use in the U.S. As a result, any food manufacturer in the country can legally use spirulina as a colorant. Mars spent years researching spirulina safety in order to overhaul 1,700 or so recipes and update its global manufacturing capabilities. The company desperately needed a substitute for synthetic blue number one, as does the rest of the industry. But right now, there isn't nearly enough spirulina dye to go around. And in any case, sometimes it doesn't yield just the right blue or the color degrades and comes out blotchy or it tastes odd. So researchers are still looking everywhere for other natural blue pigments. Among the contenders being tested in laboratories are a berry found in Central and South America, the huito, traditionally used to make dark blue, semi-permanent ceremonial tattoos and as a bug repellent, a blue gardenia flower, red cabbage, aged red wine, a bacteria used to make Swiss cheese, the Japanese kusagi berry, butterfly pea flowers, and pigments derived from soil bacteria, tree root fungi, sea sponges, and mushrooms. With funding from PepsiCo, another business expanding its use of natural colors, a University of Illinois grad student in pharmacognosy, the study of medicinal substances found in nature, who has spent several years researching for new blues, recently found a previously unknown blue pigment in algae growing in a hot spring in Yellowstone National Park. Okay. Or we could just eat food, right? I mean, just a thought. Maybe we could just eat the algae instead, or the red cabbage, or the wine, or the mold in the cheese, and just leave it at that. Think of the research that could be done with those dollars, with those hundreds of millions of dollars, if they were funneled toward, I don't know, developing better food systems or better nutrition programs for kids that aren't written with funding dollars from Coke and Pepsi. Think of the possibilities that the blue dye research money could buy instead of the frantic quest for a stable, non-algae tasting molecule. Just think about it. I mean, it might temporarily take your mind off of you know what well look at that it's 2.30 we're out of time oh little baby's looking this way thanks for listening to Let's Get Real cooking show about finding parenting eating food here on Heritage Radio Network thanks to Dave Tat as always in the control room Ben Kaplan who wrote my theme song you can follow me on Twitter at 
at Let's Get Real Show. I'm on Instagram too at Let's Get Real Show. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.